0: Cataclysmic end of the world is something that we really can't comprehend because we tend to think it's all or nothing. Either the whole world gets destroyed or it's going to be pretty much normal. And what Revelation describes is actually a third of the world being destroyed and the rest being pretty much untouched by this giant cataclysm that's described. And we're going to step through the why and the how of. What's actually happening in Revelation? What we can expect to see in the future? Why it is that only one third of the planet is destroyed? Symbolically, what it means and why it seems to center around the Euphrates River. And also, this chapter, chapter nine of Maybe Everyone is Wrong, is so powerful because it contains a description of the giant angel that appears in the sky. You know, the one that has the little book? It has the rainbow around its head. It's clothed in clouds. It's got feet that are like pillars of fire. That symbolism is so critical for understanding the cataclysm that's going to happen on Earth. I know that might not make a lot of sense right now, but as you listen, you'll see the pieces coming together and you'll understand how the whole big picture fits. And in the end, you're going to have a very imaginable comprehensible description of how the world is going to be devastated by God's holy terror that he's going to inflict as revenge for the fact that the satanic conspiracy has killed the Christian church. The first four trumpets. And the first one sounded his trumpet, and there was hail and fire, having been mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees was burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a great burning mountain was cast into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters turned into Wormwood, and many men died from the waters, because they were made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded his trumpet. And a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them was darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Revelation 8, 7-12 to In literal terms, the golden censer is a massive asteroid that is hurtling through space towards earth preceded by smaller but still giant by modern standard impacts that will create various effects in the atmosphere, as well as impact tectonic plates, vegetation, and the chemical composition of the oceans. As Earth enters this asteroid field, thousands of small meteors will rain down, burning up in the atmosphere and, depending on what they're made of, seemingly be mixed with blood. This signifies the blood of the church contained in the golden censer that is mixed with the prayers and fire. They will burn up the vegetation because of the heat and explosions. Impacts of meteors can be thousands of times more impactful than even nuclear bombs. Then a giant meteor, big enough to be like a burning mountain, will impact the sea. Another will be so bright and hot that it will be like a star and impact a certain region where important rivers and fountains exist. The chemical fallout and debris from this meteor will poison the rivers and fountains, most likely referring to underground aquifers, and make the region's water toxic and dangerous. The fourth trumpet event is the immediate result of the meteor stream and its burning impact on Earth. With so many burning meteors streaking through the atmosphere, blowing up on the surface, burning away the vegetation, boiling the rivers, heating up the ocean, it's only logical that a third of the sky is blacked out and obscured by water vapor, smoke, and the burning trails of the meteors. Think about it. Because the Earth is a sphere, and the meteor stream travels at high speed in a single direction, it's actually impossible by nature that the meteor stream could impact more than a third of the planet. That's why a third of the Earth was burned up, a third of the sea was turned to blood, and a third of the sky is darkened. It all happens at once, and all of it affects the same portion of the planet, facing the meteor stream. Let us also note that one-third of the day equals eight hours. In other words, the impacts and smoke of this event will span eight time zones, which is about the full length of North America. However, it's highly unlikely that this meteor stream will impact there, for reasons I will soon explain. The Fragmentation Argument Because Satan's conspiracy seems to realize that 2030 is the cosmic deadline for the Jeremiah 3137 loophole, they have gone into overdrive trying to prepare for the impact of this meteor stream. On July 1st, 2020, RT.com reported with a headline, Two asteroids to race past Earth as NASA pens deal with Space Force to bolster planetary defenses. The obsession with space defense against asteroids is bigger than ever before and shows no sign of slowing down. The article reports on these two near-misses in part as follows. The close flyby couldn't have come at a better time, as the ink dried on a deal between NASA and the U.S. Space Force to combine their resources to track near-Earth objects and better prepare to fight off any potential impact threats, be they planet killers or space rocks on the scale of the Chelyabinsk event. As the old saying goes, the best defense is a good offense, and Earth's planetary defense should be no exception, as the International Astronomical Union has named the first target in testing our metal against space-based threats. In late 2022, NASA will conduct its Double Asteroid Redirection Test Mission, or DART, against the newly dubbed Dimorphos Moonlit Asteroid, which orbits the larger 524-foot asteroid known as Didymos, in the first ever asteroid deflection mission, which will take place some 6,835,083 miles from our planet. Millions of miles away, Gnostic dark scientists are already preparing weapons to be able to blow up and redirect asteroid threats. They want to negate the golden sensor that God is sending to punish the Earth. The planet-killer asteroid may be nuked in space, fragmenting it and causing it to become the bloody hail, burning mountain, and wormwood star that we see in Revelation. The Jesuits have been studying astral objects to measure the heavens, but as a bonus result, they may think they can save themselves from doom with space force, and other planetary defense initiatives. If an asteroid was dozens of kilometers wide, it would totally destroy the planet's structure. But fragmenting it could save us. If this is the case, it ironically means that God anticipated their defenses when he wrote the Seven Sealed Book thousands of years ago. It all was intended for his planet killer to be fragmented. Not only does this spare the planet and allow his plan to keep going, but as we will soon see, this exact fragmentation pattern is necessary for other revelation events to make sense. Torment of the Bottomless Pit. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices, sounds, of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. Revelation eight thirteen. We see an angel announce to the world that the worst is yet to come. This may seem impossible we will see that it's true. Not only is this important for reinforcing the terror nature of the trumpets, but it separates the first four trumpets from the last three. Once again, we are given a kind of punctuation mark, making it impossible to interpret the seven trumpets as happening all at once or being interchangeable. These are not random at all but a very deliberate, purposeful, genius, linear sequence. Then the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star having fallen out of heaven to the earth. And the key of the shaft of the bottomless pit, Greek abyssos or abyss, was given to him. Revelation 9, one. The star has already fallen, meaning there isn't a new star falling to Earth, but the same Wormwood star that landed on the rivers and fountains. It was said to burn like a torch. This means that the asteroid, super hot, continues to burn intensely while on Earth. This star is so intensely hot that it tunnels downward, through the crust of the earth, melting and burning and sending up toxic smoke. This process opens up the so-called bottomless pit. Once again, this is a physical manifestation of the Bible's spiritual bottomless pit, which is the place of the dead, said to be the lowest place on earth, an underworld called Sheol in the Hebrew. In the New Testament, this place of the dead is referred to as Hades, the same thing that was following the death rider on the green horse. It's translated into English as hell sometimes, but the original concept is more like a gloomy pit that is so low that it can never be escaped and is where the cursed spirits and godless souls of the dead are sent for imprisonment. And he opened up the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Revelation 9, 2-3 Now we see more clearly that the smoke of wormwood burrowing into the earth and melting the rock and mineral is what obscures the sky. The black furnace smoke will be choking, poisonous, and terrible for anyone who breathes it. Spiritually, it may be that the dark spirits of Sheol are unleashed. Having unlocked the abyss of their captivity but it's doubtful that the humans on earth will actually see demons or spirits attacking them. Rather, the stinging, painful, and possibly paralyzing period would be explained as a natural effect of the toxic smoke. Because although these trumpets are clearly warnings sent by God, the people on earth are deceived by Satan and will be unwilling to admit it as long as there is some possibility of denying it. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Revelation 9, 4. Now we see the 144,000 Israelite elect again. They are indeed on earth during the disaster, having been sealed in their foreheads and protected by God. They see the devastation, but they are not hurt by the smoke and these locust entities who come from the bottomless pit. This may astonish the other people in that region if they notice that they are immune. A different question is why these locust beings are specifically told not to hurt grass green things, and trees. Perhaps because at this point in the future, during the satanic New World Order with their green New Age religion, plant life is considered more important than human life. For decades, we have already had New Age cults claiming that trees have souls and that plants should have rights like people do. It would be ironic if the demonic tormentors are told to spare the plants and only afflict those who worship the creation more than the creator. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when it striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Revelation 9, 5-6 Another perfect irony. These killers, collectively guilty of murdering the innocent church, will desire to die, but death will flee from them. They will wish they were dead, but God doesn't let them find relief that easily. Five months of terrible agony await them. Note, this once again shows how time is passing more realistically in John's vision now, unlike before. Yet there could be an even more ironic aspect to this if these future people are what is called transhumanists, obsessed with achieving eternal life through science, Today, the transhumanist cult has a very clear goal of becoming like gods themselves, replacing body parts and genetically engineering themselves and their offspring to be free from disease, old age, and more. They may have developed vaccines and cures that were meant to make them immortal, but which will instead make them unable to die, even when they want to. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Revelation 9, 12. Here again, we see a punctuation mark, more explicit than ever. One woe is past, and two more will be hereafter. Considering we were just told about the five months of torment, it's very possible that the entire five months elapse before the next woe begins. We should also remember that a woe is always defined as a type of misery or affliction. Saying woe unto something, in this case the inhabitants of the earth, except the 144,000, calls for them to be made miserable and mourn for their impending fate. Just as the trumpets send out a signal of something important approaching, the angel shouting, Woe to earth, is the same. Mass death and unrepentant evil. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose, the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Revelation nine, thirteen to 14 Here we see the golden altar again. The fire from this altar was added to the golden censer before it was thrown to the earth. And now a voice from there tells the angel to unleash destructive angels bound inside the Euphrates River it may represent a sacrifice about to be made, since altars are places of sacrifice. The location gives us a major hint about which region was hit by the meteors. The Euphrates River is actually mentioned in the second chapter of Genesis as one of the four rivers that come out of Eden. Is that why there are four angels bound there? Either way, It's fitting that God's judgment would revisit the same spot where human life first began. The burning torch of Wormwood probably lands on the river Euphrates and burrows down to create a bottomless pit full of toxic smoke. So it's only natural that the river itself would be turned toxic and poison the whole region's water after five months not to mention the cumulative effects of the burning, bloody meteorites and the burning mountain landing in the ocean. The water sources all get tainted eventually. So the four angels were released, who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year so that they might kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the troops of the horsemen was a hundred million. I heard the number of them. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed from the fire and the smoke and the brimstone proceeding out of their mouths. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent from the works of their hands that they should not worship demons, and idols of gold, silver, bronze, and stone, and of wood, which neither are able to see nor hear, nor to walk, and they did not repent of their murders, nor of their drugs, nor of their fornication or their thefts. Revelation nine fifteen to twenty one. Once again, we see a third of mankind affected. These angels were prepared specifically for this point in history, reinforcing the idea that this was all scripted by God long ago. If we knew which year, month, day, and hour this occurred, there might be a special significance to the people on earth. As we see, The satanic people on Earth who aren't killed by these terrors only harden their hearts and still think they can win. Why? Because to them it has all been rational. A massive asteroid that humanity saw coming years in advance was fragmented in space, finally hits Earth, and people in the region start suffering and dying. No reason to panic because they're hiding under the mountains, and at this point they don't need to worry about asteroids ever again. They continue to do all their evil as if there was no chance of being affected. We must imagine these future satanic conspirators and their new world order slave kingdoms. They might even have expected this outcome, considering how feverishly they study the exact movements Of asteroids and trajectories. If they believe they have unlocked the Jeremiah 3137 loophole and gained any kind of amazing technology or Gnostic power in the process, they may feel more confident than ever. If their perverse culture is an evolution of our own, they will do drugs in order to contact demons and worship them. The current New Age religion is all about connecting with spirits, while in a drug-induced trance, after all. The spirits they talk to tell them to build one world government, kill the church, and justify all their wickedness. Without a church around to protest, it can continue to spiral into total depravity, despite the warning trumpets of God. The Logic of the Mighty Angel in the Sky. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. Revelation 10, 1-2 Dear reader, behold this image. This angel is magnificent in its description, but it's so much more than that. The closer we look at his details, the more it reveals about what has just taken place on earth. In fact, this mighty angel is like a photograph of of the devastation that the world has just experienced. He comes down from heaven, just like the asteroids. His feet, which are said to be like pillars of fire, perfectly match the impacts of the asteroid impacts. First, one falls into the sea, and then the second one hits the land. His body consists of giant clouds, which are being spewed upward from the boiling, fuming, smoking columns of blaze below. High above, hot vapor reaching into the upper atmosphere would create a giant rainbow around his head, especially if the rising sun was positioned exactly where its face would be. What does the rainbow symbolize? God's promise not to destroy the earth with a flood again. With the arrival of this mighty angel, God has kept his promise and is now destroying the earth with explosions, fire, devastation, and toxic fumes instead. It's a spectacular symbol for all the world to see. Those who survive and are not repenting of their evil will be able to witness this angel physically, even if they don't want to acknowledge what it represents. Here we also see that the sun was not permanently turned black in previous times. It was only obscured for a third of the day while the smoke arose from the east. It will look as if the Lord himself is currently standing on the earth to judge mankind. He has a message For the satanic planet that clings to evil. And cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, the seven thunders uttered their own voices. Now when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven, saying, Seal up the things which the seven thunders said, and after these things you shall write. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives for ever and ever who created the heaven and the things in it the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it that there should be no more delay. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel Whenever he is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets revelation ten three to seven. It should be no surprise that lightning and thunder would accompany this giant destruction of the earth's atmosphere while the sea boils from the burning mountain, superheating the water and the Wormwood Star burns like a torch and opens up that smoky furnace called the Bottomless Pit, it's inevitable that the temperature shock would create massive thunderclaps. But like the Golden Censor that spiritually foreshadowed all of this destruction, this angel's arrival is anything but a natural phenomena in God's eyes. The Seven Thunders may very well be the same seven angels who were protecting the churches, and to whom the seven trumpets were given. If their trumpets were to herald the imminent arrival of royalty, dignitaries, or armies, they have done well. We've already seen armies. Now, they might be putting aside their trumpets to voice a combined pronouncement upon the earth. Shockingly, John is directly forbidden to write down the message, so we don't know what it is. Note, this is a stunning, critical fact of revelation that destroys any interpretation that claims John was simply writing down his own feelings or thoughts in an altered state of consciousness, as some have said. He says himself, that he was about to write, but he was interrupted and prevented from doing so. He is simply being a reporter, recording what he sees and hears as best as he knows how. Ever since entering the phase of the trumpets, John seems to be experiencing time's passing in a more literal way, with a more direct observation of what's actually happening on earth to the point where he's hearing messages he isn't even supposed to record for future generations. This reinforces the idea that the seals represent a hugely secret process, but the trumpets are mostly blatant wonders that are supposed to be known at least to the generation who witnesses them. But even though we're not told what Thunders are telling the world, we can be certain that their message will be related to the events about to unfold. Separately, the mighty angel swears that the mystery of God will come to completion in the days when the seventh angel is blowing his trumpet. What does this phrase about the mystery of God mean? we're given a major hint, actually. It's the mystery that the prophets were seeking answers about. This immediately narrows down the list of possibilities, since the prophets were generally only concerned with Israel's rulership, the fate of its tribes, Jerusalem, its temple, along with the earthly arrival of the kingdom of heaven the resurrection of the dead, the judgment of the earth, and the reign of the Messiah. Since the first arrival of the Messiah led to rejection, crucifixion, and the delaying of his kingdom so that the tares and wheat could mature separately, the mystery of God would logically be about the fate of Israel and the Messiah. It's worth noting that The way the angel swears by God is very creation-centric in its theme. He emphasizes how God created the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything within them. This is poetically appropriate, because God has seemingly ruined a third of the planet, and shown that he can destroy it if he pleases. Once again, this brings things full circle just like the Euphrates River and the rainbow. This is not some random destruction with random curses and plagues, but an extremely personal message to Satan and all those who serve him, as well as to the 144,000 sealed elect who are in Israel, protected. The damned of the earth are literally doing drugs and worshipping demons during this time, fully showing that they are the tares, the counterfeit anti-church, deceiving and conspiring with no shame. I hope you found that as amazing as I did. The, The cataclysm, the fact that the people are worshiping actual demons, doing drugs to access the spirit realm, perhaps, something like that, the nature of that angel, it paints such a vivid picture. It's anything but random. It's tied in with the golden censer that we already explained. And it leads up to very crucial events in Israel. The mystery that the prophets were wondering about, That has to resolve in the age of the seventh trumpet. And so the four trumpets that happen at first, you know, that's the cataclysm coming in. The three afterwards are these three woes, and we get to that third woe, where all this mystery has to resolve. It's amazing. It's all laid out, and you have to pick it apart one at a time and understand where the punctuation marks are. What it's emphasizing, what it's warning you about is going to come next, and all of it's going to have to come back to Israel eventually. So stick around for that. We're going to continue this.